Let us worship God. A reading from Genesis. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God, God called the light day, and the darkness God called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be a dome in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome. And it was so. God called the dome sky. And there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together God called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth put forth vegetation, 
plants yielding seed and fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser night light to rule the night and the stars. God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves of every kind with which the waters swarm, and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things and wild animals of the earth of every kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind and the cattle of every kind and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in God's image. In the image of God, God created them. Male and female, God created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food." And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps upon the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that God had made, and indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. 
and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that God had done, and God rested on the seventh day from all the work that God had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that God had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. Do you remember Dame Edna? May she rest in peace. After horribly embarrassing someone from the audience to make us roar in laughter, she would say, we shouldn't laugh, possums, but we do. During the exile in Babylon, the people of Israel suffered the trauma of exile, the loss of home. Psalm 137 pours out the anguish. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars, we hung our hearts. For there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, Sing for us one of the songs of Zion. How could we possibly sing songs of joy in the hearing of our captors? But we do. During their grief of struggling along their spiritual journey, they write down their history of faith. They choose for the opening of Genesis, the first book of Torah, the book that opens with, in the beginning, a glorious liturgical call and response proclaiming Yahweh as their master. They sing a song of joy during their exile. They can't be singing a song of joy but they do. They search around their place of exile and find icons of hope and joy. They experience Yahweh as the master of the Babylonian seven-day week. Each day of the Babylonian week honored a different god. Genesis opens with Yahweh creating the wonderful creatures that inspired such godly awe. Some form of Sabbath rest was also a Babylonian or maybe even a more ancient practice. Genesis claims it as Yahweh modeling and commanding it as the day of holy rest.
The spiritual journey requires us to leave home to struggle, change, discover, and be drawn home to God through our deepest passions. A way that I have of naming these passionate seasons along the spiritual journey is let go. You've heard me say this before. Let go. Let in. Get it. Grow up. Let go. Let in. Get it. Grow up. Leave home. Be shocked and surprised. Receive a new gift. Keep learning. Be a good companion in our common, passionate journey back home in God. Now, passion is messy. And passion has a kaleidoscope of meanings. Its basic literal meaning is to receive. That's our first vocation, receive. Receive life. <sighs> to receive life as chaos, receive the creative breath of the creator. Passion also means to suffer, to wrestle with reality and the God of reality. Don't worry, suffering will come. No need to go about causing suffering, but we do. The deeper meaning of passion is desire. We need not fear finding God through our deepest desires, but we do. Our spiritual journey is a kaleidoscope Paradox and dialectic. Paradox can be described as truth that is contrary to expectations. Truth keeps unfolding, revealing more than we ever imagined and oftentimes ever wanted, bringing together from one source things we wanted to hold as opposites. Our basic Christian doctrines are examples of paradox. Jesus as God and human. One God as a Trinitarian experience. These are paradoxes because they keep us wondering rather than answering all of our questions. And dialectic. Dialectic is the dialogue of different points of view that can open us to a bigger picture with new ways of thinking and doing. Scripture constantly holds us in paradox and dialectic. We shouldn't limit ourselves to our preconceptions, but we do. 
An example of this engagement with paradox and dialectic is the pairing of the two different creation stories at the beginning of Genesis. Today, we proclaimed the first creation story. It is written down during exile in Babylon. And it's then followed by an older second creation story, building up to the creation of Adam and Eve. The second story is more earthy, more enigmatic, more earthling, human-focused. And it's a story from Palestine before the exile. The first creation story is a glorious, liturgically formal, and sees everything as good. The second story makes us struggle with the human need to leave home and start the spiritual journey. The second story, if you read it carefully, is also the beginning of dialogue between God and humans. There's no dialogue until after consuming that fruit. I think the editors of Genesis wanted to remind us that once we think we have reality and God figured out, we will soon find out that we don't. It doesn't matter how much we keep thinking and saying, but we do. As St. Augustine wrote, once you say, ah, I understand, what you understand is not God. At the same time, the editors offer us some principles to give us hope and guidance. Creation is the work of God. God looks upon the artwork of creation as very good. We belong to an interconnected system. God created a cosmos. A cosmos. I finally looked up the word that gets translated into world as cosmos. And it has lots of meanings or nuances. We tend to give it a negative meaning when we hear world. The world. World simply means the system we're operating in. God created a well-ordered system. God placed us in an oikos, a common home. Oikos is the root for ecology, the study of our home, and economy, the care of our home. And God's six days of work are finished for the week. He's following the Jewish pattern. Sabbath is beginning and work must end. Creation, though, is still in process, groaning toward completion. Hildegard of Bingen had this insight, a revelation in a dream, 
you were planted in my heart at daybreak on the first day of creation. Receive that as a gift in your own heart. You were planted in my heart at daybreak on the first day of creation. Julian of Norwich had this insight. We are not simply made by God. We are made of God. The love longing of God is at the core of our being, deeper than any fear or hatred that holds us in separation. And Elizabeth Barrett Browning gives us this poetic insight. Earth is crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God. But only the ones who notice take off their shoes. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. Perhaps the wonder of Moses seeing the burning bush is that he noticed it. Every bush burns with the glory of God. Light and dark are always a combination of each other. Is there ever a time of total light or ever a time of total dark? As the day moves around, it's a constantly changing combination. Male and female contain each other. All of us share elements of male and female. And Jung has that wonderful insight of the anima and the animus. Land and sea contain each other. There are islands in the sea and lakes on the land. With each reading of Genesis, we can encounter timely concerns. Very important for today, the word dominion. Dominion has been used for centuries as a license for destruction and degradation. Today, dominionism is an extreme danger in our disordered system. It's at the root of white supremacist Christianist nationalism. Claiming authority from the word dominion in today's text, there is a movement of people who insist they are called to impose their narrow control over society, all in the name of Jesus. If we are acting in the name of Jesus, we need to follow the example of Jesus' dominion. Dominion describes the authority of a Lord. Jesus warns us not to lord it over people and gives us the example of being the one who serves 
and the one who gives his life for the people. In the world of dominionism, we end up making heroes of vigilantes who cause violence and death and get dubbed as good Samaritans. We end up with book banning and strong-armed attempts to deny the shadowy parts of our history. We rewrite our history to propagate ignorance. We end up with a systematic disordered degradation of our common home. We shouldn't, but we do. Yet things are beautiful if we love them as Jesus does with his type of caring, creative dominion. We can notice icons of God all around us. Choose life and pursue the good of creation as the people of Israel did in Babylon. We can be inspired by entering the beauty of earth as Thomas Merton did through the window of his hermitage. Merton wrote, The pale flowers of the dogwood outside this window are saints. The little yellow flowers that nobody notices on the edge of that road are saints looking up into the face of God. This leaf has its own texture and its own pattern of veins and its own holy shape. And the bass and the trout hiding in the deep pools of the river are canonized by their beauty and their strength. The lakes hidden among the hills are saints. And the sea, too, is a saint who praises God without interruption in her majestic dance. The great, gashed, half-naked mountain is another of God's saints. There's no other like him. He alone, in his own character, nothing else in the world ever did or ever will imitate God in quite the same way. That, that is his sanctity. We live in a culture deeply wounded by grievance, greed, and gaslighting, often using the name of Jesus. It hurts to say it, but we do. Yet we possess a theology of grace, gratitude, and generosity. We often ignore it, but we do have it. How can we be instruments of grace, gratitude, and generosity to help heal the wounds of grievance, greed, and gaslighting? We can keep beginning with reverence and care for the goodness of God's artwork in ourselves and all other creatures to be healed and to help heal 
our wounded world. Let us be able to say, and we do. As we continue now with the prayer chants, you are invited in the silence of your hearts to offer your prayers of intercession and supplication 
those prayers for the world, for those you love, and for yourself to be given to God. The peace of the earth be with you, the peace of the heavens too. The peace of the rivers be with you, the peace of the oceans too.
us pray. Eternal Spirit, living God in whom we live and move and have our being, all that we are, have been, and shall be is known to you, to the very secret of our hearts and all that rises to trouble us. Living flame, burn into us. Cleansing wind, blow through us. Fountain of water, well up within us, that we may love and praise in deed and in truth. Amen. And may the grace of God who created you in love, the peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be love, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love, be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen.